The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who goes this town tonight. Welcome to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Radio. Alex Clancy, and we welcome back uh, Deborah Debris in studio. Kwame is still on assignment. So you'll be hanging with us for the next hour, 48 minutes, I guess you could say, with commercials, as Kwame would say. Kind of maybe uh, almost close to an hour. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to start with the Thursday night fo- or the uh, Monday night football game, Carolina-New England. Great game. We'll talk about the controversial call at the end. I don't want to focus too much on that. I'd like to more focus on the, the maturity of Cam Newton and maybe the regressing of the New England Patriots. So we'll touch on that. We'll talk about Urban Myers, in my opinion, idiotic comments about the BCS. We'll talk about Brett Favre and his comments both on the Rinchy Cognito Jonathan Martin story with regards to bullying and about his comments on him not wanting his son that he doesn't have, but hypothetically not wanting his son to play football if he were to have a son. And then we'll talk about some NBA in the fourth segment, and in the third segment we'll do a little Down and Dirty with Deborah with a little uh, Winston-Salem um, topic that, uh, that we'll touch on later. First off, Deborah. Uh, you haven't been here in a in a couple weeks now. How's everything been going? I haven't. I've been tripping. Um, good. Really busy. Uh, you know, out promoting uh, my book, Averages and Addictions. Speaking this weekend, uh, Friday actually, at ASU Sky Song. Uh, it's Club E event from seven in the morning till uh, nine o'clock. So show up. The topic is average sucks. Sucks up your money, your talent, your power. And uh, yeah, I was back in. South Carolina, freaking 27 degrees at night. Uh, we were blaming the Canadians that were in the mastermind for bringing down the uh, cold. So, oh. Love the ocean, hated the cold. Yeah. How was the timeshare with 19 people living in it? Uh, there was actually three people oh, there in, were? A, in a four-bedroom. So we were doing okay. Nice. We had a great, huge balcony to sit out in the ocean right in front of us. So that was awesome. Excellent. Well, let's get into it. Carolina beats New England 24-20. Monday night football last night moves Carolina to 7-3. and three. They've won six games in a row. The Patriots are still in first place in the AFC East. It's getting a little closer now, but uh, they're still the Patriots, and they'll still probably win that division. Cam Newton really surprised. Well, he didn't surprise me last night. He, he impressed me last night. You know, it was in Carolina. Uh, their defense showed up, held the Patriots to 20 points after putting up 55 last week against Pittsburgh. Cam Newton, 19 of 28, uh, 200 and nine yards and three touchdowns, and he also ran for 62 yards. Uh, he had one crazy play in the second, in the third quarter, I believe, where he scrambled around. Donovan McNabbed it and uh, ended up getting a 25-yard gain, which was which was really really impressive. I say the numbers because last year he had gaudy numbers as he, as he did in his rookie year. Now he's kind of slowed it down, uh, took more of a leadership role, very willing to hand the ball off to his bevy of running backs that he has now and all healthy. 
I think he's learning how to become a leader. And you could tell in his first two years how much he wanted to win. He's won his whole life. He played at Auburn. He won a championship. He came here, came to the NFL, got drafted by Carolina number one overall. He broke rookie records. He broke, I think they were all Peyton Manning's records, uh, passing yards and touchdowns. He, he ran all over the field. But he's finally learning how to play football now within a cohesive system. And I think Ron Rivera, the coach, has a lot to do with that. But this is the signature win, in my opinion, that Carolina has needed in his first three years in, in the NFL. And that puts him again at 7-3. and three. And the naysayers might say that because three of the defensive backs for New England were out on that 83-yard drive uh, that ended up with a score with 59 seconds left to put them up 24-20, might have something to do with it. But I think in a hostile environment that is Carolina, even though they were at home playing against one of the toughest teams in the NFL, they delivered and and, uh, they rode off into the sunset. Well, and I like your comments about Cam Newton, too, because you talk about the leadership role, and I agree. He's, he's got a level of maturity that he didn't have the first couple of years. And, you know, when, when we talk about wanting to win, that's an, it's an area of compulsion. And when you want to win and you're in that compulsive type state, then the stress comes in and then it's, you know, it's more difficult to play. Um, you can want it badly, but it doesn't mean your body and your mind are going to work well with you. Um, he's starting to find, and we see it in this level of maturity, is the tempo, understanding the tempo of the game and the situational plays that he needs to, uh, you know, address on every single play. It's a slightly different situation, and he's he's finding the tempo of how to play within the team. Yeah, absolutely. And he's kind of, he's he's stopped with with focusing on numbers and focusing on how much he's been doing. And and as you said, that's, that's absolutely correct. He's the only player in NFL history to throw for 50 touchdown passes and run for 25 touchdown runs in any three-year span ever. So that, I mean, so he's, he's breaking records that people haven't, these are things that people haven't done before. You know, say what you want about RG3 and Michael Vick and, and their abilities, but when you have a six foot five, 245-pound linebacker running at you with the speed of a gazelle, I mean, it's, it's scary. He's, he's a, a specimen that has really never been seen before in the NFL with his, with his running ability, I mean, Dante Culpepper was big. You know, Randall Cunningham was tall. He was kind of more lanky. This guy is just a rock. He's like LeBron James playing quarterback. Well, and that's the thing. You can have a running ability, but it's the can you, you know, can a quarterback, does a quarterback find the time when to run and when not to run? And he's starting to find that as well. Absolutely. Making and better decisions. A great number that shows his maturity is that he has a 106 passer rating on third down this season, only behind Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. So he's being very cerebral when, when his team needs it the most on offense. And he, a, lot, a lot of credit can be given to the defense. They stripped Stephen really on the 12-yard line last night in the second quarter. Two defensive penalties set up that drive. But being able to strip the ball in the red zone, uh, in your own red zone, uh, really, really just it helps the offense want to just push it even more. I mean, you have these, you have these defenses like... I don't know. I mean, even New England. New England hasn't. They have a very fickle defense this year, and a lot of it has is due to injuries. But Carolina is the number one defense in the NFL after this week. Uh, points because uh, Kansas City gave up some points to Denver. Uh, they're the number one defense. They have a very good running game, and they have Cam Newton. I think that trifecta in and of itself 
is is something to be reckoned with in the play. I, I think they're going to make the playoffs, and they could surprise some people this year. Well, and then go over and look at Steve Smith and what he was able to do. I mean, man, as a you know, as a receiver, he's competitive, he's mean, he's out there, he's he's aggressive, he's making sure he gets plays done. Yeah, him and Akeem Talib right off right off the bat, uh, <laughs> they don't like each other, and that everybody really knew that. Uh, that started when Akeem was in uh, was in Tampa Bay, but. Steve Smith won that battle. He got into Akeem Talib's head. He's been doing this for 13 years. Mm. He knows how far he can go before it's too far. And Akeem Talib is known as a hothead, and, and New England knew that, bringing him in. He had a really, really bad uh, really bad personal foul yesterday, uh, last night when he was holding on to Steve Smith's leg, <laughs> which resulted in a touchdown, I believe. Steve Smith is, is a very good person to have on your team. And he's, again, another cerebral guy who looks kind of like a, a roughneck and looks like he's, yeah, he's a... Uh, There's meaning to what he does. Every step Absolutely. of the way. And he's still fast. That's a, that's a Dennis Rodman type player. And he's five <laughs> foot eight in the receiver position. And he's still burning past young guys. I think he's 33. He's still burning past these young guys on go routes that... It, it's crazy what he's done. He has the body of Wes Welker, and he is faster than still these young these young DBs that... You know that should be faster than him. <laughs> so going forward, New England is eight and two. I mean, uh, New Orleans is eight and two. Carolina is seven and three, nipping on their heels. What do you think is going to happen? Like, do you think that New England will? I think these they both have to they have to play each other twice coming down the stretch, uh, home and home. Obviously, do you think that Carolina can do the unthinkable and win the division with this defense with Cam Newton? And with that run game, I think it's absolutely possible. Again, we we, we see it all the time that uh, you know that's the fun part of watching you know the NFL is you never quite know what can happen. Certainly, there's injuries that could take out any team or certainly uh, diminish any team's ability to play. But uh, the way the Panthers are playing right now and the maturity that they're gaining every single game um, can certainly propel them forward. Absolutely. So, all right, we have to talk about the controversy now. Holy man. Uh, last play of the game, New England's knocking on the door. Tom Brady hikes the ball, throws it seemingly three or four yards short. It was right about at the goal line. Rob Gronkowski was about four or five yards in inside the, uh, inside the end zone. Uh, it was intercepted. Flag was thrown. New England started celebrating. And then the flag was picked up. So the controversy ensues. Was it a defensive holding that, that caused Gronkowski to get pushed out of the back of the end zone or, to, or close to it? Or was it a poorly thrown ball? Was it pass interference? It, it, there's no way you can call pass interference because that ball was uncatchable. You have to call defensive holding, if anything. The thing that bothered me was that the referee didn't give an explanation. Normally, no. There's, there, there's, no, there's no foul on the play, and this is why. The referee said there's no foul in the play, and this game is over. Well, and that's the thing. On, on that type of a play at the end of the game that meant, you know, the game, um, for them not to give an explanation was inexcusable. And, you know, I look at Gronkowski uh, that he was, uh, he was definitely being held. And, the, you know, the momentum that was pushing him, you know, out of the end zone didn't give him any opportunity to come back and potentially go after the ball. Now, the ball was short. The ball was low. 
So that made it you know, towards the edge of uncatchable, but we see uncatchable plays happening all the time every weekend. Yeah. Yeah, you see receivers make ridiculous catches Absolutely. when they should. Well, we so. saw them this last weekend, the, the you know, fingertip catches where you're you know, juggling the Auburn. ball up in the air and finally you know, pull it in. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it was a penalty, personally. Um, I think if it, was, if it was in New England, it would have been called a penalty. I think that New England has given up all of their rights to be lucky because of the tuck rule and the, the early 2000s when they got everything uh, thrown their way. I think right when David Tyree's catch happened in the Super Bowl, I think that's when it kind of started to turn with their luck factor. So uh, this is just another one. This is the second time this year where they've had a controversial call towards the end of the game. And uh, they'll be fine. They'll make the playoffs. I mean, this is this is one game. This game doesn't matter for New England. This mean, meant the world to Carolina. So Cam Newton, once again, is showing that he's a formidable quarterback in the NFL. With the read option becoming a fad and a fading one, as I've said ad nauseum on this show, he's learned. He's adapted. And I think that second year of the quote-unquote, I guess, sophomore slump where they improved their record to 7-9 and nine, and where his numbers stayed the same, I think that he's finally, again, learning. And he had a great interview after the game in that as well. He showed his maturity in those type of interviews. Brady, to some of the players, is known as a, uh, a whiner. Um, and... You know, good luck to Cam Newton and the Panthers. You know, good for them. I'm glad they won. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Tom Brady is. I think once you get to that status, you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, Michael Jordan was a whiner. Absolutely. You know, so yeah. I mean, it's it, we're still going to point fingers you, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, you should expect to get calls if if you reach the upper echelon of of any given sport, uh, even though you don't sometimes. All right, we've got to take a break. On the other side of the break, we will talk about Urban Meyer's comments about the BCS and then move into Brett Favre's comments about his hypothetical son, uh, him not allowing him to play football. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk, Alex Clancy, Deborah Debrin Studio. We'll be back. flagship station for sports voice america sports hi i'm joe swedish ceo of wellpoint we proudly support the march of dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the united states though premature births have recently declined still half a million babies are born too soon each year we're helping the march of dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives Please visit MarchOfDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. 
quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lassner Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in studio. We just finished up the Carolina-New England game from last night. Great win by Carolina. Let's move on to something that's going to piss me off a little bit. Uh, Urban Meyer says that the BCS is flawed. Him being the head coach of the Ohio State University, who is 12-0, and depending on what ranking you look at, they, are, they have between the 60th and 75th weakest schedule, or strongest, I should say, schedule in college football. They're number three. They're 10-0. They're 13 thousandths of a point ahead of Baylor, who is number four. I'd be scared if I were him, too. You know, this is the last year of the BCS before the playoff system. He talks about how the playoff system is only going to be four teams instead of 64, and who, what's the fifth team going to do next year? You know what? Take it easy. Schedule some tougher opponents. Schedule your, your non-conference games outside of the state of Ohio, and maybe you'd be number one or number two right now. But with Alabama having such a tough schedule, with Florida having an, a, a tougher schedule than you, and with Baylor knocking on your door having a tough, tougher schedule than, than two or three of you, uh, you, you need to shut your mouth. So and what, what's all the criteria that goes into figuring out who's, who's what? Strength of schedule. Yeah, and? Uh, the, well, the computer ranking goes with the rank. They, they crunch everything together. You have, uh, you have margin of victory. You have, I mean, strength of schedule is a big one. So he doesn't the like the computer system. He doesn't like not being number one or number two right now. Mm. Uh, I think that he's pointing his finger, and this is my words, pointing his finger at Florida State. I think he respects Alabama and Nick Saban more than that. I feel like because Urban Meyer is the head coach at Ohio State, I think that's helping them. I think that because, again, Nick Saban is the coach at Alabama, I think that that is instilling them as number one regardless. So is this strictly a computerized system that you plug in the numbers and the numbers come up and say here's rank here's who's ranked at what level yes when it comes to the bcs the numbers the final number that that shows what your rank is with percentage out of a possible thousand or 1.00 right all all that stuff is put into a computer and then the decisions are made so with the final two games for Ohio State, they have to play Indiana and Michigan. They play at Michigan. They play at the Big House. Okay, fine. If you don't win those two games, you don't deserve to win the national championship game. So has he, has he given a resolution to how you can change the weighting of the system in order to come up with a more fair system? Uh, well, it doesn't matter at this point because this well, is the last year. Understood. So uh, with Baylor, they're going to Oklahoma State, which is going to be a big game for them. On on the twenty third, that that's a big game for them. If they win that game and they don't leapfrog o- Ohio State, there's a big big issue. Then they they finish at TCU, which they should which they should win. Florida State has Idaho at home and Florida on the road. So if they don't get jumped, they should be the number two. 
and uh, Alabama has Chattanooga, and then they go to Auburn, which is probably going to be the game of the year, and who would have thought that coming into it? Uh, but f- after Cam Newton left, Auburn kind of went to the depths of hell, and they've resurrected themselves, and thanks to a crazy Hail Mary this past weekend, they uh, are now, well, they, they can play spoiler and they can get into a BCS bowl game. We talked about this yesterday, or I talked about this yesterday. Deborah. I want to get your take on this. Sorry, this is a little off topic from what we said we were going to talk about, but do you think that after losing a game early on to college football players, do you think after losing a game early on with the BCS setup as it is and how it has been in, in recent history, do you think that that shuts off their will to win because they know they won't be able to play for national championship. And then I'm going to follow that up by asking, like say Stanford, they lost in week seven to Utah, a team they shouldn't have lost to. Then things transpired and they were number four, number five in the country. I believe after losing before losing to USC this week, it seems to be impossible that once it's turned off for it to be fully turned on again. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Okay. So do you think that there's validity in that, or do you think that that's just a cop-out for them not being mentally strong enough to play through the whole season and just ex- and hoping that things will transpire the way they want them to with other teams losing ahead of them? The answer is yes and yes, because it depends on the player, and it depends on the leadership of the team. So it's just like you know we talked about in the NFL, that you never know what's going to happen. So you can, it can look like a losing season, you know, early on, but you never know what's going to happen with injuries on other teams, what's going to happen within your own team, that it gets sparked up. Now, the only thing, if I were on a team and I were playing, I'm looking at two things. Number one, I'm going to be looking at, you know, what is the team doing and how can I participate in the team to get a team win? The other thing I'm looking at is I got scouts that are hopefully looking at me. So if I've got scouts that are looking at me and I'm looking at the big picture of my NFL career, I better be going out there as if every game is a bowl game because I want to show my absolute best so that, you know, scouts are looking at me and say, man, this, this guy's, a, you know, somebody who's just going to bust ass no matter what's going on. Fair. Now, playing for yourself and playing as a team, for your, like playing to show scouts the, while a part of a team and doing it on your own, I mean, there's got to be some disconnect there. Absolutely, and that can be a level of frustration, and we've seen it in the NFL when, I mean, look at the Cowboys. What was it, a week, two weeks ago or whatever, we got people blowing up on the sidelines because they don't feel that the team is pulling their weight when they think that they are. So there can definitely be a disconnect that you're, you can be doing your absolute best. You could be a fabulous wide receiver and busting your ass out there doing your best, and yet you've got a quarterback that's kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, I'll see what I can do, or vice versa. You know, so as a team sport, yes, you're always dependent on everybody else on your team pulling their weight and doing their absolute best. And then because of that, the team plays well as a whole. So can it have the, um, you know, the, the, um, you know, the mix up of emotions and feelings and the ability to play? Absolutely, which can cause frustration, which can cause, you know, players not to be able to play at their best. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you that before you moved in. Brett Favre. Seems to always be in the news. I mean, this is this wasn't his fault. He was on the he was interviewed on the Today Show by Matt Lauer about the Richie Incognito situation and about you know would you want your son to play football if you had one? I'm going to start with the latter first. I think that it's an easy stance for him to take, saying that he would not want his hypothetical son to play football because he doesn't have a son. I feel like if he had a son, this would be a totally different conversation. It's easy to say now. 
he was one of the warriors of this league. I mean, he never was, he was never injured. He, he played through broken thumbs. He broke his thumb on helmets more than anybody in NFL history. I would, I want to look that up, but I'm pretty sure that that's the case. But he played through everything. He played on one leg when he was in Minnesota on the playoff run, uh, during, and that was during, uh, during Bounty Gate with New, uh, New Orleans and, and that whole season. Do you think he's, do you think he's full of crap? Like, do you think that he would put his son at Pop Warner when he was five years old and just say, go? I think with everything that he's going through right now, um, it would be difficult as a parent to watch a son potentially be put in that type of a situation. Um, I thought it was interesting that he said not only would he not want his hypothetical son to play because of the possibility of injury, but also if his son didn't play well. (laughs) So that was interesting. We're already going to say that my son may not even play well. Um, and therefore, that would be very difficult for him as well. And you're right. You know, you can hypothetically put yourself in situations, but until you're actually in the situation, you really don't know how you're going to play. The quote is is ridiculous, what he said. And he, uh, midway through the quote, he goes, not to mention if he never made it, he's going to be a failure in everyone's eyes. Yeah. So uh, my son would fail me. I mean, right. you, 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 I think you word it differently. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're getting fed these questions that you've had whatever a month to prepare on, prepare for. I feel like you could uh, you could word it a little better than that. Yeah, I'm, I'm proposing that if I had a son, he could potentially fail, and whenever he does fail, that it's going to be it's going to be a tough one. Yeah. I, it's going to be tough to hold my head up high when my son fails. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's that's ridiculous in its and own right. And he's going through. You know, Brett Farr himself is going through a lot of physical, emotional, stressful pain, um, loss of memory, those type of things. That's just scary. It's scary. And people that go through Alzheimer's um, and they know that they're losing memory and yet they're losing memory is really a scary situation. Absolutely. No, that's for sure. However, these comments, I'm sure he's done having kids now. Say one of his daughters was a son. He would have been, you know, 10 years younger and a lot of this stuff wouldn't have really come out yet. Right. So I feel like he would have kind of edged them. Yeah. He would have yeah, him that, to play football. Yeah. With uh, lack of knowledge, um, you can make a, a lot of different sure. decisions. And then, and then uh, revisionist history, hindsight 2020, he would have said now in this interview, no, after all this stuff, I wouldn't have let him play football. But now he's an all-star athlete, and now mm-hmm. I can't pull him away from a game that he loves. So right. uh, that was you know, kind of a double-edged sword there. The other part about the Richie Incognito thing, he doesn't understand how a 320-pound man could be bullied. Of course, now, now that's been called Bullygate, so we're going to give it a new title. I refuse to call it that. I'm not going to call it that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I've said ridiculous so many times. You have. So many, you have. You know, I'm just wondering well, if you can th- spell it. There's just, I mean, off air. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't think that bullying is is a thing depending on how physically gifted you are, how big you are. I mean, I'm going to use a different word now. I think it's misinformed. I think it's old school mentality with regards to a football player. You never show weakness. Kwame says this all the time. You never show weakness because your position could be taken. Next man up. If you show weakness mentally or physically, that's what happens. Uh, Lawrence Taylor, because we always like to talk about Lawrence Taylor having his two cents on things. He says he wouldn't be – Jonathan Martin would not be allowed in his locker room because I think that Lawrence Taylor would eat him. I mean I think Lawrence Taylor and Jonathan Martin are on polar opposites – of the NFL mental and emotional spectrum. And this begs the question, does Jonathan Martin really want to play football? And I've asked this ad nauseum once again. 
I really think that he was kind of just put into this and he was better than everybody else. And it, it just progressed that way. He went to Stanford, got a great education, but he has something to fall back on. He can fall back on his degree. He can go work at his parents' law firm. He can, this guy's a very intelligent person. So I think that maybe football isn't as big of a deal to him as it is to everybody else. Well, if you look at the comments that uh, Brett Farr made as well, is he also didn't really take a side. I mean, he made the comments, but then he also said, um, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. You know, from a locker room standpoint, you know, it seems to be wrong. So he didn't really take a stand on it. Um, I agree with some of the comments you made that this is, it's old school thinking. We go back to the guys that played in the league, you know, 10 years ago. This is the way it was. That's the way it was supposed to be. You need to, you know, be strong-minded and strong body. And you, you take care of business between the players. The question becomes, do we want to go back to old school way of thinking? Is that the best way? If we're going to change, you know, within the league and so many other ways that, they're, that the league is being addressed on the field and off the field, what about the locker room itself? I mean, do we really want to keep that old school thinking? And then we look at what's being fed into the NFL as far as the high school and college players. How are they being groomed? And are they being groomed in a way that can really go into the league the way it's set up right now in the locker room and have that type of culture? A lot of the coaches that are extraordinary coaches are saying, I'd never put up with it. You know, I would have. Well, but they don't know the about it a lot of times. Well, it depends on if you set the culture in the very beginning, or if you're a coach that goes, you know, you guys just take care of business as long as you show up and play. I'm good with it. Yeah. No, I mean, the investigation continues. Uh, it's the coaches are going to be looked at. The whole scheme itself are going to be looked at. Itself is going to be looked at. So we'll see what happens in the upcoming days, weeks, months. How long? However long Roger Goodell wants us to to uh, spread out so he can be, have even more relevancy for the NFL and, as if they need any more. And there's a difference between, um, you know, about in the locker room or even on the field that, uh, that gets cleared up within the week's time or what's being said is being prolonged bullying that's, you know, repetitive and, and goes deeper and deeper every week. Yeah. Well, we have to take a break. On the other side, we'll do Down and Dirty with Debra, uh, yourclearedge.com, at Debra underscore Dubree on Twitter. Is that correct? Yes. See, I got that right. You did. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll, <laughs> we'll take a break. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris, Kwame Lasser, Sports Talk. We'll be back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. 
Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. Welcome back to Farmer Last Order Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in studio. We got to get a new Eminem song. His new CD came out. And it's, I, I mean, I'll say another word. It's out of this world. Uh, all right. Uh, the Saturday Night Live performance wasn't so much. Well, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's. Let's go with what's sellable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, YorkLearEdge.com, Deborah Debris, Down and Dirty Go. All right, so I just wanted to bring up the uh, Winston-Salem game, and or the game that didn't happen, I should say, where this is in Charlotte, North Carolina. There was a bathroom fight on Friday night before a title game where some of the players from the Virginia State team um, were beat up the quarterback and viciously beat up the quarterback from uh, the Salem State, from the Wisconsin team. And here's the thing. Uh, we just got done talking about the bullying aspect of things. And here we've got teams before a title game when everybody should be excited, uh, looking to get out on the field and show their, mm, oh, let's talk about the warrior state that we talked about earlier, on the field, not in the bathroom. I mean, what a wussy, sissy move. I mean, that just makes no sense to me whatsoever. So we ended up having the game being canceled. Now, this is a title game being canceled. Um, they also, there was a conference volleyball championship game that was canceled. So now we've got the, you know, the downward spiral, spiral and the effect of going out to so many other different levels. And uh, the Winston-Salem State was trying to become the first team in two decades to win three state uh, three straight uh, CIAA championships that now they don't even have the opportunity to uh, play the game in order to make that happen. Um, I just get really ticked off and upset about the whole anger that seems to be going on um, and this whole bullying aspect that rather than acting like men, I know we're talking college and I know that we're borderline men at that state and really even going into the NFL, these guys are still young going in, but where's the leadership from all levels that, you know, we're teaching these players, these guys and gals to make a lot better decisions, both in life as well as in sports. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no room for that, obviously in any sort of, any sort of arena, I mean, I've never really heard of anything like this. I'm sure you have. I mean, because you, you read a lot of stories like this because this kind of just perfects everything that, that you try to preach. Is, it's just mental and emotional toughness and fair, being fair. And, and that's probably what you, you coach to your, to your, uh, your, to your guys and, and all that stuff. I mean, it's, there is no room for this. And this is what bullying really consists of. This is what 
the United States and the world as we know it consider bullying the physical act of bullying. And this is beating the hell out of is a, a form of bullying, I guess you could say. I, I just don't understand why, especially you try so hard to play college football and this is the way you go out. Well, that's the thing. I mean, these guys are from Pop Warner all the way up. You know, they've got at least, you know, 10, 12 years or so into football at this time. And it comes down to a championship game. And rather than playing the game on the field, I don't even care if you're vicious rivals or not. You play it on the field. And, you know, if you play a fair game and you are aggressive on the field, that's football. It's the way it should be done. But certainly not, you know, in the bathroom the night before a game. I mean, it just makes no sense whatsoever. And then you're going after a kid who, depending on what the injuries end up being, but it was considered to be a vicious rumor, vicious rumor, vicious beating, uh, to the point where there's being assault charges, you know, misdemeanor assault for inflicting serious injury. Uh, hell yeah. Now we're talking a record, you know, that's going to go uh, against these kids as well. Uh, there's just no win to this situation. Yeah. I mean, and NFL players come out of everywhere. You know, I mean, McNeese State and, and even University of Kansas. <clears throat> uh, uh, sorry, I, Kwame, I hope you're listening. Uh, <laughs> um, it's this, the, you th- you're throwing away your life here if you want to make it to the NFL, if you're a part of this bullying uh, s- scheme or, or team or whoever it was that, that, um, that beat up this, this quarterback. I, I, I'm not going to say that it couldn't be impulsive. This has to be premeditated here, you know, because if it's impulsive, it's the day of, or if you guys are all at a dinner together before the game, like that normally happens at championship games, like both teams will go to a dinner and, Somebody you know, says something and, well, yeah, all, I mean, but it's usually out. a sanctioned event. So there's, they're on the other side of the other side of the room and, and I don't get it. I don't get why anybody would want to throw their life away or, or throw the game away. If you want to win a championship for your college, this is not the way to do it, obviously. I mean, this, is, this, is, this story is beyond words. Well, and it goes back to, you know, short-sighted thinking. You know, thinking in that second, if there's any thinking involved at all, because, again, a lot of times, as you say, these can be premeditated or they can be purely emotional, and either one is bad. Because if you can't control your emotions in this type of situation, how are you ever going to be able to control them on the field whenever you need to be concentrated and focused and at your absolute best consistently? Scouts are beginning to look and teams are beginning to look at a lot of these players and um, make decisions. Just like incognito, we go back to that. There were some coaches that you know, marked him undraftable because of the situations going through college. Some coaches obviously will take them. The teams will take them because they can play. But then you have these type of situations where now the focus on going back to the uh, Miami team where, you know, the focus is on places it doesn't need to be rather than on playing the game of football. This is just one of those signals that, you know, as the team, uh, those who were involved in this are being looked at by scouts, the same as some scouts are talking to trainers, they're looking on Facebook, they're doing a number of things to see what is the condition of this player and do we really want them on the team because no matter what their skills, if they're disruptive to the team we don't need them there's enough other talent out there and the last bullying story you talked about was the high school team with the with the with the uh, twitter the tweeting oh right and then yes. everybody was suspended or everybody was i mean that is i think that this is obviously more overt that this is this is a yes this is a bullying situation that one it was 
a team thing. You know, I, I can't wait till the names come out to see how many names there were, how many people were a part of it. How, how if the co- if the coaches knew about it, then this would be even a bigger story. Uh, and if if that kid ends up being okay, if he ends up being able to play football again, there's so many so many things that will transpire from this story or could transpire from this story. I just I really hope that it this is the end of it. Those kids get suspended. They don't get to play football again. They just get dismissed from school. And this kid gets to be able to walk in and play football again. Well, and that's the thing. And then it starts to be that pack mentality too. That if you don't join in, become part of the you know part of the group that's doing the uh, the beating, whether that's physically, mentally, or emotionally, then you're on the outs. So you know if somebody's not strong enough physically and emotionally and mentally to not physically but mentally and emotionally to stand their ground and say no this is wrong which is what happens in bullying situations is other people either don't say anything or they jump into the pack mentality because they want to fit in and blend in with everybody else now you've got a bigger problem absolutely absolutely all right uh, we're going to segue over to something that Adrian Peterson said he said he wants to be a Viking he doesn't want to be traded. He wants to stay a Viking. He, I mean, he didn't say he wanted to finish his career as a Viking, but he said he wants to stay a Viking. They, they paid him a lot of money. He's the only reason why they're relevant. He's the only reason why they were relevant last year, got to a playoff spot, got to a playoff game. He was nine yards away, I believe, or eight yards away from breaking Eric Dickerson's single-season record. God, leave him in. Leave him in for one more play. Let him get it. Uh, <laughs> do you think that this is the best marketing scheme, the best – thing that he could say so they would let him go and we've talked about this like I, I i actually posed the question do they do they owe it to adrian peterson to let him win now has he done enough for them to let him ride off into the sunset and go play and go win and now he comes out saying this which totally total just a mind twister a, I, 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 there's another word that I want a, a little, a little mind twister that you can tell me later. You know, that kind of turns the whole story on its head that he actually wants to be there, and I don't understand why he wants to be there. I know he's a consummate professional; he's done nothing wrong his entire career. He's been, he's been the an upstanding NFL, you know, player and employee, and I don't know why he would say this, if nothing else, to be reverse psychology for him to end up getting traded. What do you think? I mean, you know Adrian Peterson. You know what he stands for. You know what he's done to come back from his injury. You know how much he loves the game of football. What do you think he was thinking? That's an interesting question because um, not knowing for sure that – well, here's, one, here's a couple of the things that could be involved. One could be he just really likes the atmosphere of the team and the culture and he wants to stay within that culture. There's the other – aspect of knowing where he's at in his career is, you know, do you want to win and which is more important? I mean, Steve Nash wanted to be a son, wanted to retire with the sons and that type of thing. And he went to LA because he wanted to win a championship and that didn't work out so well. Um, Adrian Peterson, I don't know what it's like for him where he's at right now, but that could be part of it is he just likes being there. Um, and maybe he likes being there more so than the win. It's tough to understand that because of who he is and the amount of uh, um, pressure and comeback he's put on himself to get to get back to where he's at and to be at this top level. It's tough to get inside anybody else, you know, anybody else's head. Yeah, I, you know, I've thought about this ever since I read the article. I've really been going back and forth. I mean, I think he's genuine. I don't think he has any ulterior motives here. I mean, it's easy to kind of pick that out. 
Uh, he's had his home in Minnesota. Yeah, that's fine. I don't know who'd want to live in the cold there, but I mean, that's fine. <laughs> Some people. <like> <laughs> uh, he could help so many teams get to that supreme level of competition. And I mean, if you put him on any contender right now, they are the Super Bowl favorites. Like if you put him on New England, which they wouldn't, if you put him on Dallas, that would jump them up to the nth degree. He's still just as a running back, not as like these uh, Matt Forte's, LeSean McCoy's, the the uh, the quick but not stronger, uh, like the guys that can catch balls out of the backfield. Adrian Peterson is a running back. He is the true sense of the word or phrase running back. And I think that a lot of teams, especially with how balanced offenses have become because the read option is now no longer really a thing, I truly believe that if they send him somewhere, they that team will become the Super Bowl favorite right off the bat. But we could also look, let's say, if Adrian Peterson goes to another team, then just like the um, Peyton Manning situation is, it takes some time to get into another team for some players, to get into another team, get get into and part of the culture and learn a new playbook and all that type of stuff to be able to play at your ultimate best again. Because when you go to another team, it is a new playbook, and that can really mess up a player. We've got Larry Fitzgerald right now, same team, different different ways of playing that is messing with his ability to play. Um, so he might even be looking at that and saying, you know, I want to be at my best, and if I stay with the Vikings, then maybe I've got the opportunity to help grow with this team and make this team better than what it currently is. Yeah, and it's probably. I mean, it's a pride thing. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's and everything you said is. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's. I'm I'm curious to see what will transpire. Uh, we do need to take a break. Uh, we have fourth segment coming up. We'll talk a little Kobe. We'll talk a little Kobe. NBA. We'll do a little hodgepodge in the mm-hmm. in the last segment because there are a couple little things I'd like to touch on. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris, Kwame Lester, Sports Talk. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchOfDimes.com. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. 
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in studio. We might be hearing from Mr. Lasseter himself in the last segment. Not sure yet. We've gone through a lot today. We talked about Carolina uh, and, and cementing themselves as a force to be reckoned with in the NFL. We talked about Urban Meyer and his idiotic statements. We talked about Brett Favre and his questionable statements. And uh, Down and Dirty with Deborah was a good one, talking about Winston-Salem State and Virginia State University. Uh, not a good topic, but um, a good uh, just depiction of what bullying really is mm-hmm. and what could be done to prevent it in, in, in the future. I do want to take some time and talk about Kobe Bryant in the fourth segment. I'm sure that uh, Kwame's happy that he's not here right now. Uh, Mike D'Antoni was interviewed to see when Kobe will be able to return to the court for, to play an actual NBA game. He returned to practice, I believe, yesterday. Uh, did light five-on-five drills. Mike D'Antoni was asked if Kobe dunked, and he said he dunked. Two, he had two 360s, threw the ball off a wall, and dunked another time. So uh, he's ahead of schedule as everybody thought he would be. I believe the Achilles is nine to nine to fifteen months, depending on how quick you get surgery and how quick you start your rehab. He started his rehab right away. He got yeah. the surgery right away. He didn't. He did the Derek Jeter and not the Alex Rodriguez, where Alex Rodriguez waits six months to have surgery and just watches the paychecks come in. Mm-hmm. You can really tell when injury occurs who really wants to play and who just wants to gain a paycheck. Yeah. And it's interesting that Kobe, even though all of his $30 million, 30-plus that he's getting this year, is guaranteed, he, he still wants to play. He still wants to win. He still has to drive as if he was the 17-year-old pup when he came into the league. Well, so, he knows the clock is ticking, too. It's true. I mean, yeah. and, and he's an old 34. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's played, he's played multiple seasons worth of playoff games in his career as well. So I just love, say what you want about him, but I love his drive still to want to win. And you cannot question that. Any sports fan, any sports you know, person that, that really loves the inside of sports, the analytics, the emotion behind it, the mental state that it takes to play for that long and play through injury, you have to respect this guy. On the court, yes, I understand he's becoming a social pariah. He's becoming somebody that nobody wants to play with. But he's still... He's still Kobe, and he still will give you. I think when he comes back, he'll he'll be able to average twenty three and six and five. Uh, I don't think he'll be able to get up to the thirty point mark, but he's going to try, and he might totally destruct the Lakers through it. Uh, luckily, all of, most uh, all but two guys, Steve Nash and Robert Sakura, are under contract next year. Everybody else is on a one year deal, and they can get rid of them. I think there's either team options or they're just one year deals. So. Uh, they're paving the way for LeBron Fest 2014 next summer, which I don't think they'll get. But Kevin Love is the one 2015 during the summer that that they're really going to shoot for. He's an LA kid. He went to UCLA. I think he's the one that's going to carry carry the torch after Kobe is kind of 
kind of uh, subsided himself. Well, and I agree. I love Kobe's drive, and I love the fact that he's taken the game and he's looked at the nuances, you know, in his techniques as to how to do what he does and do it better than anybody else is doing it. It'll be interesting to see when he does come back because there's been some young guns on the team that have uh, picked up and kept the momentum going that when he comes back, what the, cult- what the culture is going to be. There could be that when you see other players coming, you know, up that are up and runners, certainly n- not even close to, you know, the way he can play, um, but that can still put the fear in you of like, holy man, I'm on the out and they're coming in. Um, so he might come back and be able to be the leader within the team. He might come back and feel he has to dominate. And then that will be interesting to see what it does to the culture on and off the court. And I feel like the latter is, is what they're going to be looking at because mm-hmm. with Dwight Howard there, he still did that. Right. He still was the dominant force. And mm-hmm. rightfully so. I mean, he, he willed them in many different ways to the playoffs because Dwight Howard is – it was it was uh, two, two, two brighter lights for him, and that's been mm-hmm. – said many, many times. Well, he could also become the mentor, that he could still be that he driving could. force. He I could. know, that'd be a tough one. I mean, one. That's, you know what, he yeah. could. We can stretch it. He could have a long time yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. too. He, he could. Maybe he meditated over the, uh, you know, over the uh, time off, and he's going to come back. He probably mentor. did. He probably did his yoga and his Pilates, but right. he's still going to be the, <laughs> he's, he's, he's not going to change. I mean, you can't he teach can, him no. how to totally change his mindset about that he's not the best player on the court at all right. times. He won't. He won't, and he's going to try to prove to you every time mm. that he is. So mentoring is not a word in his vocabulary, I do not believe. He might turn over a new leaf, but I, I just don't see it well, happening. And I think his mentoring would be different than most people's. <laughs> it would yeah. be the hardcore yeah. mentoring. It would be the um, <coughs> Jordan type of mentoring. You know, it would be the Tom Brady yelling it. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, with all these young guys that, that you talked about, I think that instead of them becoming motivated, they might be feared. Mm. They, they might be fearing not performing up to Kobe's expectations. Mm. And even furthering that, they might just defer to him and just – he, he might be sad. Yeah, I mean yeah. he might stagnate this entire mm. offense, the entire culture of the Lakers this year. They're 5-7. and seven. They're better than everybody thought they were going to be, especially with Steven Nash pretty much out indefinitely and Pau Gasol not doing really anything. Their leading scorer is Jody Meeks at 13.7 points per game, which is the lowest leading scorer total on any team in the NBA by about two points. So you could say they're spreading the wealth, that's fine, or they're just not scoring a lot of points. And it'd be great to see one of those young players be a Kobe-type attitude for whenever he comes back that they feel challenged by him and challenged in a good way that it's like it makes them a better player because he's back. So we can cross our fingers and hope. Or people will uncross their fingers yeah. and hope that it will go the, go <laughs> the other way. way. Yeah. The NBA, I'm really excited about this year. It's kind of we talk, I talked about it uh, yesterday with Francis on on the line. It's uh, it's just kind of a mesh of a bunch of average teams, and then you have San Antonio, who's just slowly and quietly leading the leading the Western Conference at a nine and one record. Uh, the Heat, India, Indiana, everything that. David Stern tried to do with the last collective bargaining agreement during the lockout is working. He tried to take the parity out and level the playing field and not just have a few powerhouse teams. So with his vetoing of the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers, that was step one. And, you know, obviously as a Laker fan, I was a little little miffed by it. A little. And it, it is thrown Lamar Odom off his rocker ever since then, so I, I hopefully hopefully he gets better and gets his mind right, because he, he used to be a soft-minded person then. He was very, very strong, very emotionally in tune, very 
you know, just positive in general. And then the thing with the, with the Laker trade just just messed him up. So having said all that, that was a little aside. Uh, the NBA now, and David Stern will get credit for this, is now a very even, evenly matched, even even association. You know, take away you're obviously going to have your better teams and your worst teams, but with where the records show through ten games, there's a lot of teams that are going to be in the hunt. For, for playoffs and, and to, to move on and to make a name for themselves and maybe steal a championship this year. Uh, Deborah, it was good to have you in studio finally in the past couple weeks. I know you're, you're grinding, you're grinding, you're grinding. So just happy that um, happy you got to make it today. Glad to be back. Um, we will be back Thursday. I believe it'll just be me. You might be here, Deborah. Mm, maybe we'll call, call in. We'll yeah. yeah. Uh, it might just be me for an hour. So hopefully everybody's okay with that. Um, if follow, you're not, you'll still be here. <laughs> follow Deborah Twitter at Deborah underscore debris D E B O R A H D U B R E E yourcleareedge dot com. And you have a DebraDebris.com, is that correct? Uh, we dot com will be up uh, by Friday. There we go. Averages and addiction is the book. Please check it out. Uh, I've read a couple excerpts and it's it's good stuff. It makes me really question myself. So thanks a lot for that. <laughs> no uh, problem, dude. You can follow me at Clancy's Corner on Twitter. Check out Rant Sports. I'm the Arizona Cardinals writer for that website. Uh, we will see you guys on Thursday, uh, 10 a.m. Arizona time, 12 o'clock Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. See you then. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.